Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. Do you realize that today this episode is episode 99? When I think about that number, it's almost hard to fathom that I've generated 99 episodes in less than a year. And the only reason it seems like a lot is because I'm having difficulty actually remembering the topics that I've already talked about. And I have to go back and double check. Did I talk about that? Did I mention that? Sometimes I just can't remember. And that's why I'm, in, I'm actually in the midst of creating a list, going over episode by episode, and what was the topic, what was the title. I probably should have started this or could have started this from the beginning. It would have made it a lot easier, but I didn't. And that's one of those things that you learn through hindsight, because hindsight is twenty twenty. Live and learn, learn from your mistakes. Well, it's interesting that even though we this is episode 99 and 100 is just around the corner, when I look to the future, I have even more episodes in my mind, in the ether. Because, you know, I did write down a list of things that I wanted to talk about, but things pop up, things occur that seem like and appear to me as if the it's the perfect thing to talk about in a podcast episode. And frankly, that's what this episode is about. One of those topics that has been occurring, popping up in my life, and it's something that I feel I need to address. Now, you as a listener may or may not know that I'm a coach. That is my livelihood. I'm a coach and a teacher, and I love coaching sessions. I love that one-to-one interaction. And I have to admit, I don't do it as much as I used to, mainly because I just don't have enough time. I have so many other projects going on to sit down in a one-to-one session. It takes a personal investment of my time. But the thing is, I love doing it. I just have to, you know, focus on some of my priorities. Uh, But I did something at the beginning of the year because I had several people contact me and ask for coaching, even though they couldn't afford my regular rate, which now is $2,500 for a strategic coaching session. I have packages and, you know, there's other ways to to go about it. But for a single session to sit down and have me review something or review an aspect of your life, that's where I start. But for the listeners, and this is only like you only know about this if you listen to the episodes and just recently, is that I'm offering a reduced rate coaching session. It's pay what you want. Now, there is a minimum Because frankly, we need to have that value exchange, but it is a far reduced rate. You can check it out at yesdaniel.com. Just click on the link that says, that says strategic coaching session or strategic coaching special. And after you check it out, you might just find that it is a fit for you. It's exactly what you need, exactly fits the bill. If not, don't worry about it. But I must say that I don't know how much longer I will keep it open, only because, like I said, it takes a certain amount of time for me to invest in that face-to-face. This past week alone, I've spent 12 hours, or actually 12 plus hours, uh, with about 10 of you, 
that have signed up for the coaching special, and I had another person sign up this morning. But I have to admit, I absolutely love it. I love the interaction. I love the one-on-one. I love getting to know you guys on a deeper level. In fact, it has been these coaching sessions that has brought this topic to the forefront of my mind because it's come up about a half a dozen times in varying ways. And yet, to be frank, it's hard to put in a specific term. If I had to name it, I would say it's getting right with yourself. It has elements of personal integrity, authenticity, truth, and honesty. Not to mention your personal conscience. You know, the the good angel sitting on your right shoulder and the devil sitting on your left. Temptation and urging you on. What do you do when you're faced with a compromising decision? How do you even begin to ferret it out that it is a compromising decision? Because our ego is really good at rationalizing our uh, faults, rationalizing our little foibles. It's just me, or it's just this one time. Or there's some other little rationalization that justifies why you're lying, why you're cheating, while you're taking drugs. There's a number of different things, and it kind of all applies to the same thing. So I'm going to provide three or four questions or frames that you can look at this with and, and look at it for yourself, because sometimes reflecting on our own choices, reflecting on our behavior is difficult. And so these questions help hone your focus and just put things in a different light, allows you to talk about things from a different angle. So firstly, let's talk about the little white lie. Now, everyone says, or most people say at one point in their life, they've told a white lie in order to make somebody else feel good, to appease them, to not worry them, just so they don't have to be confronted or explain themselves. And the rationalization is, it's just a little white lie. And it could be about any number of things. What someone's wearing, do they look attractive, do they not, are they fat? You know, whatever you think, you know, telling a white lie is culturally acceptable. Now, this is a question that I broach sometimes in a bar situation or a restaurant situation, usually a a bar situation. You know, when the waitress is there, they are almost compelled or they have to talk to you. So I typically started out this way. May I ask you a question? I'm conducting some field research. And they typically say, well, of course. And I said, if this is too personal, you can tell me just to mind my own business. Have you ever told a white lie, you know, to spare someone's feelings, to, you know, not to avoid an argument, just a little bending of the truth? And they're like, yeah, of course I have. And I said, here's the second part of my question. How would you feel if they were doing that to you? They wouldn't like it. Only one person, like in 20 years, said, I wanted, I would like them to lie to me. I wouldn't want the truth. But in every other case, everyone said, well, I wouldn't want to be lied to, but I don't really see the harm in lying to somebody else. Now, what's interesting about this question, and if you really look at it and you're honest with yourself, when you look at those times when you've lied or bent the truth or hid all the facts from another person, 
the real truth of it is that you did not do it for them. You did it to spare yourself from the potential rejection or negative feelings that might come out of you revealing the quote-unquote truth. You see, you wanted them to think of you as a good person, so you bent the truth. So in thinking about this from a perceptual frame, you are putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And another way to say it from the five perceptual positions, you're looking at it from the second position, which is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And basically be on the receiving end of a falsehood, of a colored truth, or a hidden truth, or let's put it, let's just call it what it is, a lie. Now, as a sidebar, it is a a complete philosophical discussion that we could have. Is it worthwhile to be radically truthful, to to practice radical honesty? At what point is it just you passing judgment or passing a perspective along that isn't really appreciated? And what is the actual truth? But let's just say in this circumstance that you know when you color things a particular way, when you lie or present the truth in a way that favors you, that you know what you're doing. And if the shoe was on the other foot, you would not want to be treated that way. The next example is something that has come up repeatedly in my coaching practice. It has come up for me personally from time to time in my life, and that has been in the area of infidelity or cheating. It could be with, you know, your married partner. It could be with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or someone else that you have some type of agreement with for monogamy. Now, this is directed to those individuals that are breaking the agreement. You're the one doing the cheating. You're the one that is having the affair or engaged in the sexting, you know, the texting over sexual innuendo, whatever it is. You know when you're breaking an agreement that has been established, whether spoken or unspoken. And that's a good one. A lot of times people will do it and say, well, we never specifically said that we were committed or that we couldn't do this. And that mostly applies to those people that are dating, quote unquote. And if I'm truthful, I think it's more men that do that. Well, I I specifically didn't say I wouldn't, or I never really said we were committed. Really? Really, you're going to say that? But if they don't use that rationale where it's never really been talked about, and let's say there is an established agreement, there's always some rationale or reason why it's justified to look outside the relationship for other entertainment. And whether or not that's a good reason, it's up to you. But the question I always ask in these situations goes something like this. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Or you can flip that. If it's good for the gander, it's good for the goose. Like, if you can cheat, if you can stray outside your relationship, is it okay for your partner to do the same? And I have to admit, I always find it interesting that once I phrase it that way, it always makes a difference. It always makes a difference. They would never want that to happen to them. So this kind of goes back to the golden rule. Treat other people the way you would like to be treated. And again, there's multiple perspectives that we could look at this whole dynamic from, but I'm looking at it today from the context of personal integrity and personal authenticity, a way or a frame for you to look at things for yourself 
talk about things in your head to arrive at a conclusion on whether or not you truly feel inside you're doing the most appropriate thing. Again, to sum this up, whether it be lying, indiscretions, cheating, whatever you want to call it, how would you feel if you were on the receiving end? Would you agree or would you still think that it's a good idea or an acceptable approach? The next question or the next frame I'd like you to consider is would apply to what I've already talked about, plus any other uh, circumstance that you might engage in that on some level, you know it's not right, but it's you have this rationalization as just me or as just this one time. It could be drugs or some other vice, but it's something that your conscience is telling you not to do it or that you better not. Yet, part of you is overriding it and doing it anyways. One little example that I see a lot of people partake in, and that's speeding. Speeding excessively over the speed limit. And they think that, you know, it's just me. (laughs) They're weaving in and out of traffic. They're actually creating a safety hazard because, one, they don't really think about the impact on other people. They think they're just gliding through traffic and they're okay but they don't realize or consider that other people have to respond to them. And some of those people may be your grandfather or your grandmother. And that goes back to the the first frame, which is to look at it through someone else's eyes, the receiving end, was you want to be the one on the receiving end. Well, the other way to look at this, it comes from Immanuel Kant, who is a German philosopher. And it kind of goes like this, is paraphrasing just a little bit, but it's considered a universal maxim. Whatever you're engaged in, whatever vice you're taking part in, consider that if this became law of the land and everyone did it to the same degree that you're doing it, would it be the world that you would want to live into? Would it be the society that you would want to partake in? See, a lot of times people say, well, it's just me. But what if everybody did it to this degree? What if everyone, you know, smoked pot? What if everyone drank and drove? What if everyone, you know, lied and continually lied? You never knew when anyone was telling the truth. Well, when you put it in the context of the universal maxim that whatever you're partaking in, whatever you're justifying became law of the land, most of you would say, I don't want that world. I would not want to live in that world. I have used Kant's universal maxim again and again. It just keeps me on the straight and narrow. Not that I'm always on the straight and narrow, but it gives me the opportunity to reflect on what I'm about to partake in and whether or not it really is the right thing. Because at the center of your being, you know what is right. You know what the right thing to do is. And when we justify it, when we give these rationales, It's just me. It's just this one circumstance. When you put it in the context of the law of the land, it doesn't seem so innocent anymore. And this could be anything from dieting to exercise, eating the rest of the cake because nobody else is around and who will know? Well, what if you wanted a piece and you knew there was a piece sitting there and someone else came along and ate the rest of the cake? When you knew, you knew there was more than one serving there. But in bigger topics, it could involve drinking and driving. What if everyone drove under the influence? What if you couldn't count on anybody on the road to be at the top of their game? 
Is that the kind of world you would want to live in? Or here's another tag. How about stealing from your place of business? Using the rationalization, no one will miss it. It's just this little thing. What if everybody in the company stole? Left and right. What about lying? What if you couldn't count on anyone to tell the truth? There was nothing solid, no no integrity anywhere to be found. Now, this also applies to those of you that are in a relationship, but you're no longer invested. Maybe haven't been invested for years, yet you're pretending that you're right there, acting as if everything's hunky-dory. Would you want to be treated that way? What would it be like if every relationship was that way? Are you really doing anyone any service? You might be thinking that you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to have a big, big protracted, you know, divorce. But really, <laughs> who are you protecting, really? And I can laugh because I've been in that ethical dilemma, not only in relationships, but in lying and in infidelity. I know the rationale on why we do it, and I know, oh, there's a part of me that wishes I could take a lot of those actions back, but they inform my coaching today, and like I've said before, I've made just about every mistake that you can make as a human being, and I feel that my saving grace is that I've learned how to be a better person going through that and being able to really look at how has it impacted the people on the receiving end. The other question I pose myself and pose my clients to keep yourself on the straight and narrow to get right with yourself, and that's looking at it from the context that whatever you're engaged in will not be a secret. Now, when I was a kid, when I was younger, people didn't carry around cameras, and frankly, I think that's a good thing. Things didn't get posted all over social media, but in the context of this frame, this question that I want you to ask yourself, would you do this? Would you engage in this behavior if whatever you're doing would become public knowledge spread across national news on every social media platform? And you've seen it. You've seen these doctors, these dentists that go to Africa and the, the big game killed and they have their picture taken having killed an elephant or a lion some animal of majestic nature, and it gets posted on social media. Or how would you like to be Monica Lewinsky, thinking you were having a private moment with the president and then have it blasted across national news, have it be the, the forefront of a congressional investigation? What's sad about this is that Bill Clinton was 50 at the time and Monica was 23. Clinton, for the most part, walked away unscathed. His life did not dramatically change at all. Monica was raked over the coals. The court of public scrutiny can be merciless. My question is, is if she had known what she was going to go through publicly, would she have even begun it? What if the trials that she went through publicly would be the trials that you would go through or could go through? Does that change your perspective on the impact of the current behavior that you're considering engaging in or could engage in? Who's saying you're actually engaging in it? You see, when you approach it from the context, whatever you're doing or are engaged in that you think will be kept secret, more than likely it will get out in some shape, form, or fashion. 
and knowing that you probably will not get away with it. Would you? Will you continue doing it? Would you even begin it? No. Now, personally, I did a form of this when I was a kid mowing the lawn. I imagined whichever girl caught, had caught my fancy at that time was driving by and saw me in the yard and could see my rippling muscles and see what an amazing job I was doing mowing the lawn, how, how, how neat and perfect it was. I could imagine her driving by and exclaiming, wow, that guy really knows how to mow the lawn. And oddly enough, what has come out of that is a philosophy that you can talk about what you're going to do all day long, but the job you do stands as a testament to the person that did it. Well, the thrust of this message, getting right with yourself, is the philosophy that of mine that at the end of the day, when you're looking yourself in the mirror, you have to be able to look at yourself and know yourself as a person that has integrity, that tells the truth, that your word is your bond. In order to provide trust, you need to be trustworthy. And know at the end of the day, the only thing that you have access to is your own self-esteem, your own self-reflection, what you think about yourself. Because in the end, it doesn't matter if anyone else loves you. It's how do you feel about yourself. And while this episode may sound or may have sounded a little preachy, understand that all this stuff comes up in the context of coaching people where they are unhappy or unfulfilled with certain aspects of their life. And at the core of it is that they are not their word. Their actions and their emotions are not in true alignment with what they say they want, with what they say they are committed to. And again, this is the Aligned Self Podcast. And alignment is aligning your heart, your emotions, your feelings with your thinking and your speaking and then your actions so that you walk your talk and talk your walk. And before I go, there's one more thing that I wanted to say and it just popped in my head and that has to do with being truthful with others with the possibility that it may cause some ruffled feathers. And that's my philosophy that it's better to feel the sting of the truth than to bear the burden of a lie. Because that burden of the lie will kill you by the inch. Meaning that it may not be devastating all at once. It's not very acute, but it will be a long-held chipping away at your self-esteem, a chipping away at your health, your mental well-being. It doesn't do anybody any good. So until next time, be your authentic self, be truthful, be your word, and keep your agreements. This is Daniel Dano V urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner directed. Don't worry about what other people will say or think. Because in the end, aren't you here to live the epic adventure? I bet you are.